Beloved, if you have your Bible with you this morning, let's turn to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. That great chapter of faith. But really, we're going to be start reading from verse 36. And we're just going to be reading to verse 3 of chapter 11. So we're reading in 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 36, reading to 11, chapter Verse 4, excuse me. Oh my goodness, that was hard. Okay, let me read it to you. Very short. For you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I... Have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back and are destroyed. But of those who have faith and are saved. My faith is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors won God's approval. But, or sorry, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen is being made from things that are not visible. And we'll just leave it there. I said verse 4, but I meant we'll stop at verse 3, not read verse 4. Excuse me. Beloved, we've reached a tipping point now in this epistle, in this letter, where he's done with the the didacto, the teaching part. He's done with the demonstrating the supremacy, the more excellent way in Jesus Christ. Now he is going uh, to a more, uh, to show them how to do it, what, what it's called for. In this part, he's dealing with the question of faith. He's shown them that faith in Jesus Christ is greater than uh, simple obedience to the temple, simple observance of traditions people were simply being traditional being part of the traditional life they were being part of of the culture we remember that their culture was a judicial church state that means that the church had the power of the state that they the religious authorities were the authorities and if you did not obey the religious authorities you could be prosecuted by the law. These Christians had been set free from the apparent trappings of their law. They no longer had to be part of the temple worship. They no longer had to pay their temple tax. They were being set free from the observances of such things like like circumcision. And it was causing difficulties within their communities, difficult among their relationships. Remember, Jesus warned the disciples way back in the day that your enemies would be the members of your own household. That he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. That he would set brother against brother, father against child, so forth and so forth. And that's what they were living in right now. And again, these are basically the days when... Saul, who became Paul, is going through Israel and he is persecuting the church. 
on the grounds that they see them as a sect, a splittering. They're blaspheming. The writer of the Hebrews here is demonstrating to them that the way of faith is not a new thing. The way of faith in God has been there from the beginning. And so now he is turning their attention to this is the original way. This is the real way. And he is hammered again. Now, whoever decided where the chapters should go in our Bibles did a very poor job here. Because chapter 11 verse 1 is is actually in connection to chapter 10 verse 38. He is answering the basic question, what is faith or what does faith look like? In verse 38 in chapter 10, he says, my righteous one or the righteous shall live by faith. And then in chapter 11, he begins to explain to us what faith is, what it looks like, and give us, gives us the examples from the Bible, good biblical teacher that he is. What does faith look like? Well, well, for me, faith is like, you know, he doesn't say that. Faith is like, I remember, I remember we had a lady in our church one time way long back ago. And I remember her saying to me, well, for me, faith is like a ballet dancer. And I was like, what? Dressed in a pink tutu. No, beloved, let's stick to what the Bible says. Let's not make stuff up. Your imagination is not better than God's explanation. And so here in this, we are asking the question, or we are asked the question, what what is faith? If the righteous one shall live by faith, or the righteous shall live by faith, what is faith? Remember, they're dealing with a nominal belief culture. Everyone was baptized into the church, circumcised really into the church. Everyone was part of that culture. Everyone was a Jew. Everyone was a citizen of the nation and everyone had access. They had a state church type system where everyone was a part. And everyone had faith. Small f, exclamation question mark. Everyone had it. Everyone was going to heaven. Everyone was a part of the kingdom. And yet the writer here is saying, it's only those who have faith who will be saved. What is faith then? Uh, If you've had as many conversations with people about Christianity as I have, you run into the common themes of of some people will tell you, well, I I believe in God. I do. I, I believe in God. And they think that, that that belief in God, that belief in Jesus is enough to get them to go to heaven. When I was young, I prayed a prayer. And I asked Jesus to come into my life. And I believe he saved me there. And yet then, if you were to examine their life, you would see that there is an absence of any kind of reality. Their faith doesn't impact their life or shape their decisions, how they live their lives, what they do with their money, what they, the interests they pursue, the passions they 
give themselves over to the things they watch on TV, the things they secretly look at on their phone. There is an absence of reality. They may speak with their mouth the right thing. Yes, I want to be ridiculous. But if you were to examine their life, if you were to follow them in the minutiae, there's an absence. And so the writer or the speaker, the Holy Spirit through this man, he wants to really explain to them what faith looks like. And in verse 11, he, or chapter 11, I'm getting my verses and my chapters done all wrong today. In chapter 11, he begins to unpack that. He's getting right into the real, the reality, into the weeds, into the thick of it. He's really opening up their eyes. This is what the Bible means when we're talking about faith. And begins, and today I only want to look at the first three verses of this chapter. Because when I began to do this this week and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I could get sucked into the entire chapter. So wonderful. But we're going to walk slowly, try and walk slowly through the chapter. Now, faith is the reality, it says in my Bible, of what is hoped for. And I, when we were charismatics, there's much nonsense taught about that, you know. It's the certainty that you have. Let me tell you, beloved, this is very simple. It is, uh, the word reality means the assurance or substance Something you can hold in your hand. It is the demonstration of it. It is the proof that it exists. How do I know that you trust the Lord Jesus Christ? There is the reality of faith within you. How do I know that you're hoping in the resurrection? How do I know that you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? I see the demonstration of faith. The Bible says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You've heard me say that a few times. Now, let's unpack that. Let's see what that really means. When I was a young man, I worked in an old people's home. My first weekend there, we had 11 people die. That's the kind of care that I am. And uh, it was very, very hot and they were very, very old. It was one of those places where old people go to die. And in my first Friday night, I remember going in to uh, this elderly gentleman and it was very obvious he had passed away. There is a difference between a living person and a dead person. Something is gone. They're no longer there. When I arrived that afternoon to start my shift, that elderly gentleman was animated and chuckled and giggled and laughed and carried on in a way, you know, oh, you young fella, blah, you know, I was in my late teens. And he was like, oh, you young fellas, I remember when I, was, when I went in that evening around 11 o'clock, he had passed on. And there was an immediate difference. His spirit had departed from his body. No longer did he chuckle, no longer did he laugh, no longer did he make fun of me in my youth. And my, I was wearing this, it wasn't pink, but it was like purple. And he mocked me because of my, my gown. And there was an absence of that life. Now, if you'd put him 
in a row of beds with the other elderly gentlemen that were under my care. Would you miss And they were sitting up and they were watching the football as they love to do. You would be able to pick out immediately which one of them was alive and which one of them was dead. Because the other gentlemen watching the football, they were very animated. Their language was not the best. But this poor gentleman who had died, there was no interaction with him. There was no, he was dead. You understand what I mean by dead. He had the outward form. He still looked like himself. He was, his body was still there. But he had departed. He was no longer alive. So we understand what it means when the the spirit departs from the body. The person is dead. Well, the Bible says that Faith without deeds is dead. So the idea is that if you tell me that you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, let's not just say faith, it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then there should be an outward manifestation of that. I should be able to see that you're alive in Christ. There should be an interaction. I should be able to examine you briefly I mean again when I went in at 11 o'clock and saw that that elderly gentleman had passed away I knew immediately that he had passed away it was very apparent it was very clear there was no mistaking it he had passed away suddenly just whoop gone in the same sense the Bible tells us that our faith in Jesus Christ is the evidence of those things that, that cannot be seen. You can say to me, Kyle, you don't know my heart. Have you ever heard that? Once or twice, maybe? You know, you can't see what's going on inside me. don't know how much I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Oh, I love him so much. Oh, I just want to kiss his face. You can't, you can't judge me. You don't know who I am or what I've been through, blah, 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 blah. And that's completely right. I, I can't look in you. I can't speculate. I can't, you know, judge you on the secret thoughts and inclinations of your heart. But on how you live your life, on the judgments that you make in accordance to your faith, your, your association to Jesus, I can clearly see whether you love him or whether you don't. The Bible says... That how can you claim to love God if you can't even love your brother in Christ whom you have seen and God whom you have never seen? It's in 1 John. That's what we test. And the word love there isn't just like friends, you know, like, yeah, well, we're friends. It's the agape love. It's the serve. How can you say you love God if you're not willing to love, put yourself into service for, to enslave yourself, to sacrifice your own comfort for the benefit and blessing of another. If you can't do that, how can you say that you love God? You've never seen Him. 
There is an evidence, there is an indication. The elements of your profession will be seen through your faith. Faith is not a secret thing. It's not a hidden thing. It's not an untangible. Faith can be seen and is seen and is demonstrated. Think of Daniel, not our Daniel. Hey, Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was a man of faith, was he not? How do we know Daniel's faith? They picked him up and they threw him in the lion's den. I mean, that in itself is pretty amazing. Many of us, like you, we're standing at the hole, the lions are down there, and they're like, uh, repent or we'll throw you in. The majority of us wouldn't even get to the hole. By the time they come to your house, we're all like, yeah, boy uh, down. But Daniel's faith in God restrained him. And he was willing to pay the ultimate price. Now him being rescued, the angel of the Lord, closing the mouths of the lions and pacifying them until the next morning and Daniel was taken out. That's, that's a good story, but that's not the great miracle or the great lesson that we are to learn. His faith was demonstrated by his actions. He refused to give in to the, the emperor, I guess, king. We call him king, but he was an emperor. He would not bow the knee. And he paid the cost. Do you see his faith? The Bible says again in Daniel, the people who know their God shall be bold, brave, and shall do great things. Faith is seen. I, I never want you to think that faith is an invisible thing. It's an intangible, mystical, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. You know, that kind of stuff. It, it's not willpower. Our faith is seen. And here, the Holy Spirit through the writer is telling us that the faith is a reality. It is the proof, it is the assurance of what we hope for. What is it that we hope for? The resurrection. We hope for a better life after death. We, we hope that when Christ returns, and if we are still alive, that he shall take us with him. That he shall not condemn us to judgment. And so how do I know that you believe in Christ? How do I know that you are hoping for a better resurrection? How do I know that you've accepted the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ? It is through the demonstration of faith in your life. Faith is a real thing. And for the writer, the Holy Spirit through the writer, speaking to a nominal people, people who were brought up in this system, who, who simply said, yes, yes, I go to church at Christmas time, perhaps at Easter, if the grandchildren are there, you know, or something. I, I have put my children through the ceremonies. I have been married in church, or whatever, whatever, whatever. That's not enough. 
must be day and daily. It must, must be moment by moment. It must be when you are in the secret private place where no one else is watching. Is your life governed by faith? It is the reality. It is by what? This, by this, we, we know that we know him. It is a reality. It says in, in verse 1 again, it is the proof of what is not seen. How do we know? How do we know that you believe in God? How do we know that you fear God? I think we need to preach a lot more about fearing God. In our casual culture, so often we have reduced God down to being that nice uncle who turns up at holidays and gives you presents. My boys have nice uncles who, if they lived in Ireland, would be spoiled, and I'd have to tell them, don't you take my sons to the bar, you know? Don't you take them and get tattoos and things like this here? The nice uncle. You know, who, who's your mate who, who will let you do anything you want to do. We have reduced God down in our culture to being that guy who's okay with us doing whatever we want. He's an authority figure, but he's, he's cool. We read today in the psalm that the, be, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. How do I see? How do you know in yourself that you know God? How is the world out there and the people in our lives, how are they to know the reality? What is for them the proof of the reality of the work of God within your life? It is the outgoing, the living of your faith. Remember what it said in verse 38. The righteous shall live by faith. That doesn't mean they'll survive by faith. You know at the end we kind of get. I survived. No. It's just you will live. Your life will be a life dictated by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will walk in his ways and you will keep his requirements. This is the reality. And this is the proof to yourself, to the church, and to the world of life that is to come. Of the goodness, of the mercy, of the, the joy of knowing him. Of the... Not everyone has gone through radical salvation experiences like some of us have. I was a sinner, dirty, rotten, terrible, bad boy, long time ago, I know. And the Lord radically and wonderfully saved me. Changed my behavior from very anti-socialistic, whatever, you know, pretty bad, to being someone else in a moment. From never, have never gone to church, had never known Christian people, had been part of a culture that was very anti Christian God, whatever. 
And in the blinking of an eye, God transformed me and changed me and, and led me here. I don't know if that's a great improvement, mind you. You know, we're here for the work of God. Hallelujah, praise God. But there, there are many of us who, who have just grown up in normal, comfortable, middle-class lives. We've never really had a, a massive changing experience. We kind of just blend in with the people around us. And how are people in that experience to know the reality of what God has done in your heart? Because you and I behave in ways that the world don't do. We go the extra mile. We tell the truth when the world tells little white lies. We care for people when the world is indignant or apathetic or lethargic or just doesn't care. We are steadfast and sure. We don't gossip about people. We don't malign people. There is a difference and a change. There is something that is, in the eyes of the world, not right about us. It is the proof. And those behaviors are the outworking of your faith. I don't kill people. Not because it's a bad thing to do, but because God has said, you shall not murder. I don't steal things no matter what it might be. Not because it's antisocial and the government forbids it, but because God has said, you shall not steal. I don't commit adultery, not because I'm afraid of my wife. Because I love her so much. Because it's a bad thing to do. But because God has said, you shall not commit adultery. Not even just on an outward, but even on an inward We walk differently. We behave differently. There is a proof to our faith. What is the proof of your hope for salvation? What is the proof? It's your faith. The outliving, the living of your faith. Beloved, I don't want you to think that this is some sort of mystical, hard to explain or hard to understand verse. Your faith in Christ, how you live your life, the decisions you make, the choices that you make, the stand you make, or the realities, the proofs, the evidences, the assurances of your hope in him for yourself, for those around you, and for the people of the world. We must always remember that people are watching us all the time. We are surrounded by what the Bible says. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And people know that we have professed faith in Christ. I remember Don. Don. Don has a great wealth of stories for me. Okay. We had the guy come and fix, not fix, um, test our, our, we have a leak in our roof. And a man came to do it. The tester, I don't know what you call him, professional tester. And he came to do the test. And we were talking away. And he was talking English to me. And he loves Ireland apparently. And he's all this blah, 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 blah. And he says, so what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And he went, a pastor? But you're Irish. I was like, how is that a bad thing? 
And I said, yeah, I'm a Baptist. Hold on. Does Don Duma go to your church? I was like, he does. He does. He says, he's a great fella. And all of a sudden, there, we, we, we had a bridge. And we got started talking about the, the, the things of God. And they talked about Don Johanna and, and their testimony. And the evidences of it there. And about how he and his wife and their son and all the rest, blah, blah, went on. And, and I was like, yeah, they're great. What about Maruf? <laughs> but there was the evidences and it was seen. And people you don't even expect or know are watching you. They're examining you. They sense there is a difference. They know in their innermost being the Spirit of God convicts them of their sins. They want to be just as good as you. But they cannot be. How are we to show the reality of our faith? The reality of the coming judgment. We don't sin just because we're, we, 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 we fear what people say. We don't do things that are sinful because we, we, we uh, don't think we can get away with it. We control ourselves and govern our behaviour and avoid sin because of God. Firstly, because of the work of God within our heart, but also because we fear Him. And we want to live our lives in such a way that it brings honour to Him. Beloved, never think your faith is a hidden thing. Never think that it's a private thing. Never think that you can get away with, you know, camouflaging it. The people of this world know and recognize that you're an animal of a different color. Something, something odd about you. And if you're not walking in your faith, they will recognize a hypocrite. They will rejoice in it and they will encourage you. And you'll be one of those whom it says in verse 38, And if he draws black, I will have no pleasure in him. Your faith is the reality. Your faith is the proof. Of your hope in Christ. And then in verse 2. He says. For it by our ancestors or elders. Some of your Bibles might say the elders or fathers. One God's approval. When I read that in this Bible. I don't, I don't like that translation of it. For it, by it. Or in some other Bibles it says by it. Our ancestors, elders, fathers, forefathers received a good testimony. Witness board. Isn't that what it is in Swedish? The, the difficulty here is that we might think that because of their faith or on the... On the grounds that they had faith that they were rewarded. It was like meritus. Somehow in some way they, they received a reward. You have faith. Oh well done. And somehow because of their faith. That they themselves had faith. They received a special reward. Well done. Gold star Joel. You're a good boy. It's not that. It's the presence of faith in them. God 
gave them. Now we understand that faith in itself is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, the Bible says. It is a grace that is given to you. He is saying that, that this way, the way of faith, is not a new thing. It, it predates temple worship. It predates even the, the uh, organizing of the nation of Israel. It's from the garden, from the very beginning. They were given God's seal of approval, not because they won it, not because they themselves achieved it, because of their great deeds. No, 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 no. Their great deeds were a result of the faith that was present in them. You yourself cannot win God's approval. It says in verse 6 here. Let me read in verse 6. Now without faith it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards them that seek him. Used to be a life verse for me. I used to have that like you know drawn on everything. No one can plead without faith it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God in yourself. And again, when we see this by faith, please don't think of some sort of mystical spiritual experience uh, where you're really convinced. Where you've really, you know, you've talked yourself into, you know, like the, um, how to be self-confident. Uh, my my book list at this present moment, I don't know what it's trying to tell, tell me. You know, uh, I belong to a book club. I buy books all the time. Ridiculous. Um, and all of a sudden, just in the last couple of months, it started to give me books like, you know, how to be self-confident in yourself. Seven se- special ways to be self-confident. I'm like, oh dear. Maybe, the, maybe my book club knows something about myself, you know, that I don't know. And all these other things. Uh... Yeah, I buy one, one book from this title and, and for the rest of the last three months, all the recommendations have been self-help books. We're not talking about how to make yourself self-confident, how to, to will yourself into success. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the presence of faith that brings God's approval. These people, the reality of your faith, the reality of you living the life that you're called to live, walking in his ways and keeping his requirements, of simply believing, that in itself is enough to win God's approval. Not the great deeds. Remember it says in Daniel, those who know God shall Be bold and do great deeds. The deeds are the result of the believing. It is the believing that won God's approval. It is the receiving and and, uh, I want to say the bowing of the knee. These ancestors, these forefathers, these elders of the faith from Able all the way until us today, we have all believed in Christ to receive our salvation. We've all believed that God would make a way for us. There is only one way to please God. 
And that is God's way. You cannot earn God's favour. When I was a charismatic a long time ago, I used to believe that if we did holy stuff, if we did God's stuff, God would reward us. Well done, gold star, more blessing. If I fasted ridiculously, and I fasted ridiculously, I fasted like a month and stuff. I used to fast February every year for many, many years. Believing that God would supercharge me for the year. I didn't think of that at the time, but in hindsight, looking back, understand. Used to fast every Thursday and every Monday, trying to be a good Pharisee. Believing that if I did these things, God would bless me. Used to pray three times a day religiously in order that God would bless me in my ministry. And I would receive superpower, the Dumos. Because I thought that by doing this, it would, it's my faith. But beloved, it's not that. It is by the act of simple belief that you win God's approval. By the simplest of simple faith. How much faith did Jesus say that a person would need? How much? Great faith, mustard seed faith, the smallest seed in the garden. It's like a sand corn, like a pepper, growing peppercorn, tiny. Beloved, our faith in Christ brings God's approval. And that's very liberating, isn't it? That helps us to know and to understand that we cannot in ourselves earn God's approval by being better or gooder. There's nothing that we can do that's going to make God stand up and applaud or give us a gold star or separate us from everybody else. It's simply believing. Simply believing. And again, how do I know that you believe? I shall see it in your life. I shall see it in your commitment to God's people. I shall see it in the the decisions that you make. The financial decisions that you make. Because where your treasure is, there is your heart. Whatever you invest yourself into. You spend thousands and thousands of euros on... on, um, Internet connections and TV shows and video games and, you know. I saw an Instagram reel came up on my phone of this guy who had constructed for himself this gaming facility. Like a grown man. And I, I I like to play the Xbox every now and again, like, you know. But a grown man who had spent $50,000 on like a room... Just like the whole of the wall was monitors and gaming facilities so that he could play video games all day. My sons are like, that sounds like heaven. But you know, obviously that man wasn't professing to be a believer or anything else. But you know, we can see what a person invests themselves in. 
by the commitments that they make, by the decisions that they make, by the investments that they are part of. Beloved, our faith is a visible thing. Our faith is what grants us God's approval. God gives us this, not because of your great things that you've done, but because you believe. You believe. And that's all it takes. Again, it's very difficult. You have to walk a very fine line. Because there is the aspects of the Lordship, that Jesus Christ is my Lord, and then aspects of, of that He is my Savior. Lordless salvation in that sense. But I don't believe that you can separate your salvation, that Christ is your Savior, from that Christ is your Lord. If He is your Savior, He is your Lord, the one who dictates your life and how you live your life. The righteous shall live by faith. What does faith look like? Jesus said to his disciples, you should go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. I'm paraphrasing. And you shall teach them to obey all the things I have commanded you. People kind of clip that off at the end, don't they? Preach the gospel to all the nations. And then in parenthesis down somewhere quietly hidden. And teach them to tell, command, or teach them to obey all the things I've commanded. There is an act of obedience to the Christian life. We are to walk in his ways and to keep his requirements. In the men's Bible study, we've been looking at the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Christ's manifesto, his commandments to the church, how his people are to live their lives. In a way that is different than how the people of this world live their lives. And then finally in verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. In your Bible there it might say ages or the world. That, That word that is translated the world in some Bibles or ages and some others. It means all of creation. All that is seen. All that is physical. All that is exists. Not just the world that's around us. But the universe. All of the cosmos. Everything. Not just, the, again, the physical world, but those aspects of the world that we don't even see. There is a... There are parts of this world that are the atomic world. I I can't see the atomic world, but I'm sure it exists. Electricity, I can't see, unless it jumps out and shoots me in the chest, like, you know. But I'm convinced it exists. Weather patterns, you know, the rising and falling of temperatures, which creates winds and snow and these things. I can't see it with my eye, but I believe it exists. The Bible tells us here that it's by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. That is not the logos, but the rima, the powerful spoken, the command. In the beginning, God said, God spoke. Let there be light. It is the 
active command of God. He is actively in control. This is a statement about the sovereignty of God in all of creation, in all of life, in every moment of every day. From the atomic and the subatomic. I don't know all these teachers. I'm not a scientist. I don't understand. But in every aspect of life, Christ is in control. God is in control. So that when things happen to us, like Daniel and the lion's den, when stuff happens in our life, we are not swept aside or taken up in the moment we might be. But then ultimately we understand and know that God is in control. And how is that exhibited? How do people know that you know that God is in control? You don't run around like a chicken with your head chopped off. You ever seen one of those um, disaster movies? You know, disaster hotels on fire, planes about to crash, a boat's turned upside down, uh, and people are panicking. They run around, you know, like... You ever seen the Titanic, the film Titanic, the stupid one with Leonardo DiCaprio? Sarah and I saw it in Milton Keynes in 1997. That's how old we are. And there was a panic, you know, the boat's going down and the panic. If you read their, their actual real stories, there were actual real Christians on that boat. And the actual real Christians helped the non-Christians to get into the boats. I'm not talking about one or two special people, but there were actual crowds of Christians helping the non-believers to get into the boats. You ever see that in that film, there's a band playing and they're playing a Christian hymn as the book. They were Christians. And they were not afraid to die. And they went down with the ship playing to try and keep everyone calm. And in a final tribute... You know, there was a minister preaching the gospel as the boat was sinking. How could they have that kind of faith? How could they be so calm when they're in the middle of the Atlantic and their boat is going down and there's no chance for help and death is almost certain? How? Because they had faith in the invisible God. They knew that in all of creation, life and death is in the hands of the Lord. So how do, how do the people, how do you, how do the people around you, how does the world know that these things are true? Not just subatomic particles and, and these kind of things, you know. But how do we know that God is in control? Because when things seem out of control, there is a peace and a calm and a stability. You come back to center. They see in you a substance, a reality, a proof, an assurance that they themselves do not have. They have no Conviction that God is in control. When their world burns, they have no hope. When disaster hits, they have no future. But yet, for the one who believes, the righteous 
who lives by faith, they know and understand. They accept the reality that God is in control of all things. It was created by the powerful word of God. Not, not just not the Bible in that sense, but the spoken, the actual command. God is in control. God does not. See, when we say God is in control, beloved, I don't want you to think that, that the, the, the boat is shaking and God's like said, don't panic, don't panic. It's okay. As if somehow in some way God has been taken by surprise by the, the circumstances of your life. And he is trying to calm everyone down. We'll get back to normal in a moment. No, no, no. When we say God is in control, he is the sender of the fire. He is the one who brings the trial. He is the one who sends the challenge and the circumstance. You say, well, that's very unfair. That's very unfair. But he's not asking anything from you that he himself has not gone through. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he endured that sinners might live. Think the God, God our Father, the Father of all humanity, the ruler of this world, and yet the world is in, a, in direct rebellion against him. He sees all of the injustice, he sees all of the pain. And yet in his patience, he holds back from pouring out his wrath in order that he might save some from the judgment that is to come. So when we say God is in control, it's not that God is trying to gain control or God is trying to manage the chaos. He stands firm and unaffected by it. God is in control. He is the one speaking with the the rima, the powerful word, the command. All things are under his control. So that what was seen made from things that are on, that's a really hard verse. Every commentary that I went through this week, looking at this, everyone said, that's a really hard verse. It's like asking a Finnish mechanic how much is it going to cost. Man, who's sort to say? <laughs> but we know that God is in control. We know that the even things like the weather. Now I don't want to just go all go out there. I'm the weather man. I command the weather to be better. Okay. Yes, we would like the snow to stop, but. God is in control. Because of our faith in Him, that internal assurance, then our lives demonstrate that there is a, an external evidence from the internal. And we are not controlled and dictated by the things that are around us. Again, you may be for a moment, you may stumble and fall. You may be overwhelmed by the circumstances, but there will come a time when God will help you stand up again. You will find your equilibrium. You will rewrite. I always think of a boat in a storm that gets turned upside Because I have the kids song, with Jesus in the storm. I kind of chant that to myself sometimes. Jesus in the boat, we can smile in the storm. You know, I always remember Sarah, with the, when we first moved to Finland, 
she would teach the kids that the rhyme with the hand signs and stuff. And, um, and it just kind of stuck in my head. With Jesus in the boat, I could smile at the storm. With Christ in the boat. Remember Peter got out of the boat, walked across, did well for a moment. And then, whoop, Jesus, Jesus caught him. I believe he only went up to his knees, you know, maybe. You know, I don't know, he might have gone all the way under. Christ might have just dropped him and then grabbed him as he went under. Don't know, it doesn't say. There may be a point when you stumble and falter and fail, but the Lord Jesus will catch your hand and lift you up. Faith is an invisible assurance. Yes, yes. But there is always the outward demonstration. So again, beloved, very simple three verses. Faith is the assurance, the reality of what is hoped for. How do I know that you're a believer? How do you know that you're a believer? There is the evidence of it in your life. You are restrained from sin. You're restrained from falling away. You believe and therefore it actually has a an, uh, 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 an active influence in your life. This is a proof for you, a proof for those around you, a proof for the world. People are watching and will know. And this is how they will see. It is something that is, our faith is, by our faith we please God. Not by our great massive deeds, not because we're, Super people in the faith because we believe, have simple faith. And by that we receive a good testimony. Or like, again, God approves us. He accepts us. It's not simply that he marks us out. And then lastly, again, it's in our faith and by our faith that we know that God is in control of all things. And that when these things happen in our lives, and we'll see it as we go through this chapter of faith, the people in this chapter of faith, they go through stuff. And yet they are able to stand until the end. The Bible says if you do not stand in your faith, you will not stand. You will falter and fall. So let's rejoice that God has made this life, this way of salvation so simple and so easy. It is simply to believe. It's simply to to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. To walk with Him. To know Him. It's not based on your goodness, the success that you are as a Christian. How have you prayed today? Hmm. Beloved, trust in Him. that, That song, trust and obey, for there is no other way. Beloved, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask of you that you would help us to remain in the simplicity of our faith. Lord, that we would walk in your ways and keep your requirements. That we would trust in you. Help us, O Lord, to be more faithful. To, Lord, not to be overcome by the things of this world. Not to be lied to by our own emotions and our own hearts. 
But we know that when we are unfaithful, you are still faithful because you cannot be unfaithful. We ask, oh God, that you would forgive us from those times when, when we have made more of this life than we should have. We've added to it and we've taken away from it. Help us, Lord, to remain in the simplicity of our experience that you might receive glory and honor. We ask this for your glory and your glory alone in Jesus' precious name. Amen.